All right, welcome back to another episode of The Strategy Inside Everything. I'm really, really excited today. Not only has this conversation been 24, 25 years in the making, David. Details. Yeah, but also uh, three attempts at recording this morning that have gone horribly, <laughs> horribly wrong. Um, so I'll chalk it up to user error, and uh, hopefully we'll get through this one. Um, and I'm excited to have this this chat. Uh, the 25 years part is true. Uh, our guest today is uh, the chief strategy officer at Fitsco, based out of Atlanta, uh, David Batathia. Shit, did I lose you again? No, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Now I'm gun shy. Now I'm gun shy. Uh, and uh, David and I both, uh, we came from Boston University together, uh, class of sometime in the last century. Doesn't, so that's not matter. Yeah, let's not get into those details. You can, you can look us up on LinkedIn and figure it out if you're really mm-hmm. curious. Um, but I'm really excited to have this conversation uh, on strategy ADD. But before we do, uh, Mr. Batathia, would you please give everybody uh, a little bit of your background and tell them how you got here and where you were before? Not if you call me Mr. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, dude. This is fun. Um, and, 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 you know, hey, third time's a charm or fourth time, whatever time this is. Fingers um, crossed. We're going to get this working. Um, yeah. Um, so... I have sort of a, I, I call myself a mutt. Um, if you look at my resume, a lot of people don't really know what to do with it because um, I've, I've tried lots of different things and worn lots of different hats. Uh, born and raised New Yorker, started out a uh, traditional strategist um, at, at Shiat in New York. Actually, well, before that, I thought I was going to be a writer, but um, I sucked, so I stopped. <laughs> um, and I, I would, uh, found the strategy world um, and worked in, agents, in an agency uh, for a, a good while and then sort of took a couple of different paths I worked at some media companies in New York. I worked at Turner Broadcasting and then uh, survived the uh, AOL Time Warner merger. I went to work at Univision, um, again, in strategy roles, uh, sort of working with sales folks to bring some of the uh, qualitative insight side to how they were selling the numbers. Uh, I even did a brief stint in PR. Um, And then uh, after a a good amount of time being back in New York, uh, I picked up and moved to Austin, Texas. I was I uh, wanted to get back into the agency life, so uh, I was at GSDNM in Austin for eight years. Um, again, went back in as a, as a sort of mid-level strategist, worked across a number of different uh, brands and clients there. Uh, then actually moved into um, an account leadership role, sort of a hybrid actually account leadership and strategy role. Um, and had been there for eight years, went back, and then I was CSO there for my last stint. Um, and then one day got a call from a recruiter out of the blue asking if I'd ever be interested in being a client, which I hadn't thought about. Uh, it sounded intriguing uh, and didn't think I could do. Um, but um, it was a chance to move out to California and be director of marketing for Hyundai um, in the U.S. I had done a lot of work in automotive, uh, both for Nissan and BMW, both in the U.S. and globally. And so um, went out there, spent three and a half years there um, doing the client side thing, had a great experience, learned a ton. Um, and um, and uh, then um, was sort of itching to get back into agency life. I missed the culture, missed the environment. I missed really making things um, and was looking for an opportunity to join someplace that was looking to rebuild and maybe uh, reinvent how it did things. And uh, I knew a bunch of the creatives here at Fitzco and was aware of the reputation of the agency and the work that was being done and was always a fan. Uh, it's a 32-year-old agency with a great history. And um, just looking to sort of, you know, reinvent itself a little bit for sort of what's going to be 2.0. Uh, and so came down here with a, a group of other uh, new leaders to help try to um, you know, not really change things, but just build on what uh, the success was here. And uh, it's been a good two plus year run so far and now looking forward to what's to come. 
Wow, you've been there two years already. I didn't realize that you've been yeah, there that long. It's flown by. It's hard to believe. Wow. Um, so I, I think we we must have just missed each other in Atlanta there. I, would, I left there in uh, 14, 13. Yeah. I can't, I can't even remember, so I just missed you. That's right. Um, well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. And oh, so today you brought up a very interesting topic, uh, ADD in strategy. So ADD yeah. is something I don't think I've ever been diagnosed with, but those who know me <laughs> definitely know that I, <laughs> I suffer from it. Uh, yeah. But specific to strategy and specific to the work that we do and the, all the thinking that goes into it and the ridiculous amount of decks that we put together to um, try to iron out some of these big thorny issues for clients. And what happens from there, you know, once, as soon as, uh, as soon as they get a chance, what do they do? Sorry, I lost you for a sec. Oh yeah. Is it, was it cutting out? Yeah. Sorry. Right, I'm just, just going to make a note. That's all right. So we do all this work, um, and we put in all this thinking and then somehow the first chance that, that fate has a chance to insert something in that just totally breaks our strategy or, or challenges the strategy, um, and I think this is just a really interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't think it's unique to, to us here, and I don't think I'm, it's unique to me. I, I would venture to guess that it's something that we probably all deal with um, to varying degrees. And for me, I mean, I really see it come to play in, in two ways. Um, I think the first most obvious one is just chasing the flavor of the day, right? Whether that's a new platform has come on, um, or a new hot publisher has hit the street that everyone's working with, and the, you know people come chasing. Okay, what are we going to do? You know, what's what's our AI strategy? What's oh, you know what are we doing? You know, what are we doing with BuzzFeed? You know, and everyone sort of jumps right to the channel as the solution. And inherently, the challenge there is you start thinking about the channel first versus trying to figure out what you're trying to solve for or what the opportunity is. And that channel may or may not be the right solution. Um, and when you start thinking just channel first about, you know, what would be something really cool or different to do in a channel, it invariably doesn't lead you anywhere terribly interesting. I mean, sometimes, you, you know, you get lucky hit out of the park. But, you know, when you're just sort of free-flowing against, you know, a, a given channel or a given publisher or something like that, it's just you're not grounded in anything. So you're just sort of, you know, you're sort of like working without a net. Um, and, again, you just wind up chasing those things. And, some you know, I feel like a lot of times those things aren't even necessarily right. Um, either for the brand or for the platform that you've worked really hard to try to establish. Yeah, and you know, some hot publisher I think is more of a problem than a hot platform because um, the platform will cause more meetings, more conversations about let's let's develop a, a path to get onto that platform or how we're going to use that. Publishers I find are more of a breaker because uh, you know when they get when the client gets that call or the media team gets that call. There's not enough talk about, is this even the right thing? Does this publisher even align with the strategy we just figured out? No, I think that's right. And I think, you know, and I, and I think, you know, they're, they're sort of our greatest asset and our greatest threat in many ways, because the, the reality is, you know, there is, you know, we, we need more, more and more content, right? Because we need to be able to feed this machine and our, you know, the, the agency's ability to do it entirely on its own just is almost, it's almost impossible. We just simply can't keep up with the demand nor the pace to sort of churn it all out. So all these publishers getting into the content space is, is a great thing for us. But the flip side of it is it's also a little bit of a challenge because they can often do it, you know, sometimes faster. 
um, and it's lumped in as sort of you know quote unquote added value as part of a buy. So you know sometimes it comes across as if it's you know free, um, and you know it's built in with this pipeline of you know great distribution to it. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop. Um, and if they can beat us to the street and move quickly, then it's it's a compelling offer. I mean, I you know even when I was a client, you know there were a lot, there were I used to get pitched all the time directly from from you know publishers, and I would you know I would always try to defer to the agency. But you know some of those some of those propositions are really hard to hard to ignore. Um, but you're right in the sense that you know there isn't always the diligence sort of put up front to sort of say okay, well what are we trying to accomplish? Is this on brand? Is this speaking to the right audience? Um, sometimes it's just sort of a, you know, a shiny object, um, that doesn't necessarily fit in. And then, you know, we're, you know, we're in the position of having to try to find a way to make it fit. Uh, and that's, that's when you feel like you're sort of, you know, you're on your heels and, and trying to make something that necessarily doesn't work, work. Yeah. And I, and you've been on the client side, so you've, you've lived it. Uh, yeah. we have had publishers come direct to us or come directly to our clients and offer, you know, when Buzzfeed comes and, and they say, Hey, we'd love to have your brand on our tasty platform. You're just, you have to do it. If you're a young brand, there's no way you can say, Oh no, we're going to turn that down. You, sure. you want to make a free video and distribute it to your millions of, uh, click addled followers. Like, Correct. no, we're going to, we're definitely doing that. So the real challenge is, okay, well, how, how can we help make sure that something that aligns with our platform happens and it's not just whatever their um, churn and burn model is? Because they, they make great videos, but they don't really have, tell much of a story in most of the cases. Right. And that's the thing. I think, I think that that's where we, I agree, that I think where we often come in is to try to protect against the off-the-shelf solution. Right, because a lot of sometimes what you get from the from some of these guys, and not all of them, there are some that are great and will get really personal and customized. But sometimes you sort of you can tell that it's the it's the thing that's sort of that they've been shopping around town, but they haven't gotten someone to sort of put their name on just yet, um, and it really doesn't fit. And so then you're sort of got to be a little bit of the police who are like, okay, well, how do we how do we find a way in? How do we find some sort of spiritual or you know, tie to what sort of the overall platform is and not just have it be the thing that, you know, again, they've been sort of peddling around the market that they're just looking to sort of put a brand on top of. Um, that's when I think it gets it's most dangerous. Yeah, you're, you're bringing up a couple of good points here because number one, some of those things become so uh, almost branded in themselves, Tasty being a, a primary example. You know, you see a video, I just saw one yesterday or sometime this weekend that ESPN produced. I think it was from making guacamole or something or nachos. And I watched it and I thought, oh, this is a Tasty video. Right. Because Tasty owns that that look and feel and that crappy music that they play. Um, and so do you plug any brand into it? And the brand is now secondary to Tasty. You know, right. you're so familiar with that. And there's a lot of publishers have figured out how to build that kind of immediate recognition of their style. So part of it is, hey, how are we going to make this something that our brand gets credit for? And that, that can be a real challenge. Do you guys invest in partnering with the publishers to, to develop those things? Or is it or how do you go about making those things flow better? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been trying more and more. And I mean, what we've been doing is, I mean, we've been writing them briefs just like we would write our own briefs. You know, we've, we've been going to them with fully formed, you know, here's, you know, just like we'd write a creative brief. You know, here's the challenge or the opportunity we're trying to solve for. Here's who that's with. Here's where they currently are on, you know, here's where they currently see us vis-a-vis -vis the competition. Uh, and here's sort of what we ultimately need to measure ourselves against for success. And then yeah. we're really careful about making sure that those things leave the building, that they're very much 
bespoke to the look and feel and tonality of the brand. You know, we're not sending them just an eight and a half by 11 sheet of white paper with black type. We're, you know, we're, we're using imagery that, that reflects the, the, the platform. We're, you know, we're sort of using the font language. We're really trying to, as best you can on paper, give them a mini immersion into what the, the world we're trying to paint for the brand is so mm. that they are getting a little bit of the visceral side of it. Um, oh, that's and, smart. And the more that the more that we're doing that, and and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to almost flip our own process out to them. So here's the briefing, you know, come back and kind of pitch us ideas, and then sort of get into, you know, just like we would evaluate rounds of work and sort of give feedback. You know, we're, we're trying to sort of put ourselves in that position, um, and that's that's helped. Um, but you know, again, you can't you can't avoid the the rogue situations. But that's you know, we're trying to do as best we can to manage it. And again, give them give them a little bit of a flavor beyond just the words or the KPIs that we expect them to deliver. Yeah, right. We do the same even even with we do it with publishers, obviously, but we do it uh, even with influencers. We have a specific brief that's written for influencers, yeah. um, and we even take a stab at saying we think the intersection of your brand and this brand that you're talking about is this. Um, so we try to we try to lead them down a really clear path and show them some content that we like that we think is right to help their to help them get started with whatever content they're going to create for us. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, I think I think talking about the intersection, you know, we we are we try to also talk about sort of value intersection, like where do the core values of of, of our brand and sort of your brand, uh, whether that's core values or even just tonality, you know, where those mm-hmm. things meet because you where those things meet because you're just you're just trying to give them some sort of way that they can make sure that things stay tied together versus just again going going down a rogue a rogue way yeah no doubt and do you like um globally do you have have you embedded your team with any tools to help kind of put the brakes on these things when they pop up or is it more um oh shit it's happening again let's let's react to this and go figure out how we're going to work with these this new publisher or this new platform yeah i mean i I'd love to say that we had some sort of secret, you know, magic weapon that we've sort of put in place, um, but it's it's really just case by case, um, you know, especially because in our case, you know, our, our client base is sort of so diverse, um, you know, everything from, you know, financial services and, you know, Navy Federal Credit Union, which is, you know, serves the, the military population and their families and, and spouses and so on and so forth, you know, and and, they, and it's run by, you know, ex-military who, who, who have a very specific code of how they represent the brand and how they represent themselves. And so the way you evaluate those and look at those opportunities versus something like checkers and rallies, which is, you know, a fast food joint really aimed at the urban, you know, urban younger market, you know, it's, it's hard to come up with, I think, a global solution for those, but we've, so we're just sort of fielding them one by one um, and just trying to, you know, do the best we can in terms of, you know, okay, let's, let's try to reel this thing back in before it's so far down the, you know, far, so far down the trail that we can't actually affect it. Yeah. Do you, do you guys have uh, comms planning there or is it, or is it just a strategy team tied to the account team? Ah, uh, the age old comms planning debate. Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's something we've been um, we've been talking about and trying to implement for a long time. Um, you know, we're we're sort of we're, we're funneled in through the through the McCann World Group um, network. That's sort of our reporting affiliation, and and there's been a, a really concerted effort to implement comms uh, throughout the network. Um, we've had a spot uh, for a while that's been open that we've been trying to find someone, but they're they're kind of like ninjas. 
Um, I, it's been my experience. They're, they're tough to find. Um, but what we've been trying to do in the interim is, you know, in absence of having a dedicated person, is taking some principles and beliefs about comms and trying to just implement those as, as the way we think. Um, right. You know, understanding that, you know, there is a best where and a best when for a, for a concept. Um, you know, it's not about doing 20 things. It's about doing four things that are really impactful in the right time and space. Um, and, and understanding that context can actually elevate the power of an idea. Um, you know, you just see sometimes when, like, there's, a, there's an execution, you see that it, it's, only, it's only so much better because of the, the place in which it ran. Right. Um, you know, like I used to call that contextual, but I think today it's gotten sort of even a level above that. Um, and so we're, and, you know, and things like, you know, working against consumer journeys, um, you know, just some of the, I think the core, you know, some of the, I think the core principles of comms, I mean, cause I think, I think it's, it's one of the old other debates we have here. I mean, I think one of the, one of the downfalls of strategy in agencies for a long time has been whenever something comes along, we just put blank strategy in front of it. So if you actually chased every kind of strategy, we'd have like departments of like hundreds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just comes, it's meaningless at this point. Yeah. Right. It's like at the end of the day, we're all sort of rallied around what does a consumer need and and how can we help give it to them in a meaningful way and play a role in their lives that sort of matters. Um, And you can come at it a million different ways. So, I mean, I always said that, you know, even if we hired a comms planner to help come in and try to share by osmosis what that thinking was and what that process looked like that over time hopefully if it really does start to bake in it becomes it almost sort of kills itself you don't really you know over time if people just start behaving and thinking and acting that way then you almost don't need it as a dedicated function it just becomes the thing you do um so that's how we've been trying to go about it again i if you know if anyone out there is listening and once a move once a minute um, <laughs> is this a recruiting engine can i use it that way um, we, yeah. can, we can help we can help um, yeah yeah um but no but i mean I, I think i'd still love to bring in maybe somebody that could help really jump start it um but ultimately you know it would be to jump start it and then almost make that that dedicated function or dedicated department obsolete yeah and you know that's funny because it doesn't have to be we do have someone uh, here who's a comms planner but her specific job you know she's uh, she's doing strategy for most of the time she's doing the same kind of strategy work as the rest of us better understanding consumers trying to define missions and define um where the brand lives but when it comes to creating the strategy when there's a new platform or a new campaign is launching that's that's where she shines and you know could she have a different title yeah i don't know the titles to me that that really doesn't matter you could sub my title out with a few other ones i don't know that people really give a shit yeah i agree as long as it be, I think what's more important is having someone that's the gatekeeper. But uh, for us, as our clients uh, get bigger and bigger, there's so many publishers that go direct to them or so many platforms that go direct to them. And all of a sudden, it comes from the client that like, hey, we've made this deal with you know, this platform and we're going to do right. this. And it's like, well, that's actually the opposite of what we have been talking about for six months together. So what, you know, tell me what you're thinking so we can help make this make sense and it doesn't just get bolted on it's like everything is everything lives to this brand promise except this quarter of their budget right and that's i think i think that's the other the other way in which i think this sort of materializes i mean again the publisher influence it is what it is and it's not going anywhere and i think we're all just gonna have to you know continue to work through it i think the other interesting side of this is just you know the whole phenomenon about you know, CMOs lasting 18 months, you know, or, or maybe even less time on average these days, and just the intense pressure there is to deliver results, which is, is not necessarily new, but it just seems like it's, you know, it's, it's right now it feels like a lot of 
a lot of partners are living almost day to day, you know, literally looking at numbers day to day and, and making sometimes um, very short term decisions for sort of immediate gain um, without sort of keeping eye on that longer term prize, which again, is a, is a very easy thing to sit here and say, you know, as you and I talk on this podcast, it's, it's a very different thing, again, having been in that seat when you're faced with, you know, meeting a, a monthly number. But I think that put that's the other sort of side of this ADD equation is, you know, again, you, you do all this work to try to, you know, you take consumer insight and segmentation and brand purpose and that and all this stuff. And you sort of articulate this really nicely crafted brand platform that, you, you know, you, you sort of collectively, you know, together build. Um, and then it's, you know, when when that pressure starts to hit, it don't, you know, it feels like sometimes it's the first thing to go out, go out the window. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. we got to do something. We got to do something now. We need, we need results now. And it's almost at all cost. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's in, you know, conflict or to your point, you know, if it contradicts what we've been talking about for the last six months or so, I got to move now. I got to do something. So we're just going to throw the ball. Um, and if it, you know, and, and it's going to get us some short-term results. But, you know, so then it's like, okay, well, then, then where are we? Does that mean that everything we've been working on is sort of out the window? Or is this a temporary diversion and we're going to sort of, you know, come back and refocus once we get over this, this hump? Um, versus I think sometimes... You know, and not every time. Sometimes there are situations where you got to do something sort of pretty, you know, radical to try to get some get some activity going. But I think there are times when you know you can look at it and say, you know, man, if we if we just sort of stayed the course on this one, and you know, and and just sort of you know double down on what we all committed to and agreed to and worked hard on, you know, we're going to get through the other side of this. You just we just got to sort of lock arms and and believe in it and believe yeah. in the work we've done and and let it roll. Um, so well, it does it does make it hard inside the agency when there's you know. 20, 30 people that work on a piece of business and you just did the internal presentation and showed them like, hey, the client just bought off on this. Let me get you guys all we're up to speed. Here's where we're going. Here's what's changed, right? Mm -hmm. And then two days later, it's like, oh yeah, but we're also going to do this content agreement with Rolling Stone. And it's like, right. but that's not even our audience. Why are we doing that? And it, I think it makes, it erodes people's understanding of the brand internally and then it makes it hard for them to commit to it because commitment is the whole thing and if they're yeah. like well most of the time we're with we're what dave said but but this time but it's okay if i have an idea that you know goes after emo teens because why not they the client themselves just bought that piece in rolling stone right no so they're not committed to it yeah no i agree it's it's that and it's also it's even it's even after a while it, it has a, a an impact on internal credibility you know, because it's, it's how many times can you go back and try to explain or justify, well, this is a one-off. Well, this is a one-off. Well, you, you probably get one, maybe two shots at that before it's like, okay, you're full of shit. Like, none of this is going to stick, and we're just going to wait till the next thing comes down the pike. Oh, yeah. Your influence is shot at that point internally yeah. because they're, they're like, well, you're the guy that they listen to unless somebody else calls them. Right. Great. Yeah, yeah. Very helpful. Thank you. Thanks a lot. But I think from a, from a relationship standpoint with the client, too, it puts a lot of weight on the account team, the strategy team, and the media team when these new things pop up. The client sort of dictates, hey, we're going to do this or we're really interested in this. And you want to say, you don't want to be the buzzkill that always is saying, no, 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 don't do that. Um, so it's more about uh, getting out the red cape and trying to olay the thing and turn it into something that's that makes sense with the, the pyramid that you've already been working on for, for however long you've been working on. Yeah, that's right. And I think also that's, that's when you can, you know, that's when you make your partners look like heroes too. You know, when you can sort of, you know, somehow find a way through, you know, jujitsu working with some of these folks to actually bring it in and, and find that connection. Um, and, you know, again, it, it can be subtle, you know, sometimes it's, 
it's a, you know a language tweak. Sometimes it's an audience thing. Sometimes it's just some some sort of tonal or even visual cue that sort of brings it back around. But I mean, when you can actually make that stuff sing, because at the end of the day, because the other, the flip, the funny side of it is, you know, ultimately, and I I learned this once I actually got inside a company and, and sort of really saw how things worked. You know all the people that we're answering to are ultimately going to have to answer to somebody and they're right. going to have to explain right. why, why those things were, you know, were, you know, at the time made a lot of sense, but maybe sort of, you know, ventured off course a little bit. So, I mean, it's always in our best interest to try to find those, find those connection points. It's just, you know, as you know, it's not always easy. No. And there's also the trade off of, Hey, um, from a brand perspective, you know, we've built this, this architecture that we really believe in, but Six months later, when Facebook came and said, oh, we want to pilot this video with you, and it did, you know, you get these crazy results, and it did all these amazing things, it's not like anybody at that point in time says, oh, well, we destroyed the brand, or, you know, that that CMO is just going into his boss and saying, look, I got all these eyeballs, right. and I drove this many clicks to the website, and everybody's high-fiving until it's two years later when people go, oh, yeah, but I don't understand what that brand is. Exactly right. Nobody even knows that's happening. Yeah, and that, yeah, it goes back again. It's it's the short term win thing again. I mean, you know, I think right now, and I think it's just it's just the reality of today. I mean, they're they're the standout brands, and and we're we're lucky that we've got some partners that that do that do buy into this. Um, but I, you know, I think right now it's it, we're so sort of moded towards short term gain, short term success. Hit the numbers now. Um, that again, like yeah, those wins are celebrated quickly. But you're right. And then you sort of, you know, you step back, you take all the work from the last six months, you put it up on a wall, and you look at it, and you go, "How does this stuff all connect? Like, what, what, right. like, what are we, what do we stand for again? Where, where does all this lead?" Uh, and that's when it, that's when it can get, it can get tricky. Um, hey, that's yeah, when but, reviews happen. To be honest with you, right, that's when exactly. the client does that work. Oh God. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, yeah, that's when you find yourself in like trying to justify things that were largely out of your control sometimes. Yeah. And you know, clients never do that. They never look at all the work together, but they see it over time. And if it, if it tickled their brain at all, they, at some point they say, wait a minute, how does this thing connect to that other thing from last time? Yeah. Do you, yeah. you've mentioned brand purpose a couple times, Dave, what, um, tell me a little bit about how, how you're able to kind of rein that in speaking of ADD, you know, to, do you get brands that really, really buy into purpose or is it a battle to kind of drag them along and say, no, you can't, that pub really undermines that purpose that you've selected? Yeah. I mean, it, it we, we've got some that are, that are really bought in and, and a couple who, with whom we're actively working on it with, um, and others who, who are not uh, admittedly as bought in. Um, I think we, we've tried to draw the lines between purpose and positioning that, that purpose is sort of more of a, it's an internal, it's a culture driving thing and it's, it's ever present and it, it really shouldn't change. It's once you identify the true DNA of who you are and what your core values are, what you believe in, why you wake up in the morning, you know, what, what sort of business you're in beyond the business that you're really in, those kinds of bigger foundational questions. Um, right. that's sort of purpose. Um, positioning then is the thing that, yeah, that can change and can ebb and flow based on competitive pressures, time in, in the marketplace, whatever it might be. Um, and for the clients that are approaching us and want to do that work, I mean, it's, it's fascinating because it's, you know, it's ironically, even though you're working on these bigger brand platforms, it's oftentimes when you get the most sort of executive commitment and buy-in and, and dialogue, 
because um, you know you sort of talk about well this is more about culture and internal and sort of what drives the organization. Uh, you suddenly like everyone wants to participate. You know everyone wants to sort of jump in. And so some of the projects we've been able to do in that space have been great. You know we're we're actively working on um, there's two right now that we're working on actively and and they've been a ton of fun um, and super informative. And I, I always like that kind of work because it it does get you out of the traditional sort of content and ad space and it really goes back to just again like what what really drives the what really drives the company but also keeping in mind like that economics is a part of that it's not just sort of the the cultural you know sort of unseen soft stuff it's also sort of combining that with sort of what ultimately drives the economics of the place and sort of finding that sweet spot to help codify what the culture looks like and sounds like yeah that that becomes one leg of the stool the other the, the economic pieces or the other pieces right um, how do you keep them on track then? You know, ADD is a problem when there's a, a brand promise or, you know, some bit of the architecture that's challenged by media or by a platform. But when it's a purpose, I find, you know, Tom's Shoes is has a great purpose. It's crystal clear mm-hmm. and they've stuck to it and they, they are very selective about how who they partner with. You don't see too many missteps. How do you keep the brands from having ADD as it relates to purpose? Yeah, I mean... They're honestly, I mean, Tom's is a good example because they're, they're one where it's actually their purpose is actually in, it's built into their business model. So they almost can't, they almost can't violate it. Um, so that's, that's the holy grail if you can really find it working that way. I mean, outside of that, I mean, it's, again, it's, I think this is where sort of the, the being sort of bad cop um, every once in a while comes into play. We just have to, you know, sometimes if a decision is taken and, and it's, it's going, it's something that's going to, you know, be in violation of that purpose, you kind of just remind them, you're like, hey, you know, remember, you know, you know, we always said from the beginning, like, you know, you know, purpose is a North Star that helps you make decisions, right? It guides decisions, especially in times that may be tough. Um, and if, you know, if we, we sort of committed together to not do things that violate it. Um, and what you're doing right now is potentially venturing into that space. So let's let's stop and rethink it. Um, and, and because they've invited you in to do that kind of work, um, they seem to be more receptive when it's purpose versus when it's, you know, some of the other things we've been talking about, like, you know, one-off platform or publishing ideas um because then they're realizing that you know yeah you're right this is more this is more higher level this is more about our our corporate culture and who we are so um again i think it's a lot of that times it's just just reminding them and reminding them what the commitment they made to it is yeah purpose is a um is unfortunately i think it's becoming a buzzword although there's a real meaning to it in my mind i understand it um i hope it does not get devalued to the point of all the other uh, buzzwords because you're right. They, there's ears perk up and people do want to attend the the you know the day long sessions or <coughs> workshops that you put on when you're talking about purpose versus some of the other stuff where everybody's like, oh, not another session with the agency. Geez, didn't we just do one of these two years ago? Right. So I yeah, hope, I no, hope it doesn't get sold out. No, I agree. Um, and I know it, it feels like it, it's one of those topics that sort of has has ebbs and flows. Like there were a number of years ago, you know when. All the you know P and G you know realigned every single brand in their portfolio around purpose and and even you know t- to the credit you know GSDM where I came from you know the the you know Roy Spence and the founders there you know they they've always purpose based branding has always been sort of at their core which is where I admittedly learned a lot of the those tools and techniques um, and it seems like it just it's it has its day and then it sort of wanes for a little bit and you know then it's sort of the definition shifts and people start to confuse purpose with like corporate social responsibility and then they sort of rein that back in and it does feel like it's maybe having starting to have another a moment again uh, but i agree with you hopefully it's not one of these things that that us you know strategy and agency folks bastardize 
Um, or we'll just be coming something. up with another, we'll be coming yeah. up with the next buzzword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be our next podcast. There you go. All right. Well, I think we've beaten the hell out of this topic. Um, and I've, I've become distracted by other things on my screen here. So I that's think fine. it's time to, uh, See, I think it's time to end. there you go. There, you're, that's you're it. You're living it. That's it. Every day, Twitter. Um, Dave, where can the people find you if they want to follow up with questions? Are you on Twitter? I don't even know. I am on Twitter. I'm, I, I don't. I don't tweet a ton, but uh, you can find me at D Matathia, uh, D as in David, M A T A T H I A. Um, lots of lots of vowels and, and letters in that one, um, <laughs> uh, and all the other usual places. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and and the Facebooks and everywhere else you might want to find me. I'm an open book. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. This took too long to get on the books and uh, I will definitely uh, be pinging you again to do another one. Good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take care.